Hi, and welcome to the HR Trends Podcast. I am Nate Smith. I'm your guest host today, filling in for Claire Morin. We're here to talk about the recent federal vaccine mandate and what it means for employers. Uh, wherever you fall on the issue, the fact is, is that there is a federal vaccine mandate and employers need to respond. Um, and we're here today with Ellen McCann. She's a frequent guest here on HR Trends. She's an expert in regulatory compliance on a number of fronts. Uh, she's worked in various roles here at Unum, helping employers navigate compliance with ADA and FMLA and similar types of programs. And a lot of that expertise uh, applies here to the vaccine mandate and gives some great perspectives. So we're here to help employers understand uh, how to respond to this vaccine mandate, what are the steps that they might need to take, and importantly, what does this all mean? Um, Ellen, uh, welcome to the show. And to start with, what can you tell us in terms of just the basics of the federal vaccine mandate? Uh, thanks, Nate. What we really have here is a plan that's been announced by um, the president. And as part of that plan, he has charged certain agencies of the government with developing the mandate and actually going ahead and giving us the rules of engagement, if you will, for how his plan will be implemented. And that plan really comes down to some key components. And that is that many American workers will have to be vaccinated in order to show up for work. Um, some of those American workers will have an option to be tested for COVID rather than get vaccinated, but there is a significant portion of the population that will have to get vaccinated. Um, and that's really the gist of this plan. There are other components to it, but from an employer perspective, it's really all about a vaccine mandate. And that mandate applies differently to different segments of the employment population. Well, that's a great point that you bring up. What what can you tell us about who this applies to, and and what's different between you know all employees? We've we've certainly heard the employees employers over a hundred employees uh, have the mandate, but how does how does that differ between other categories like healthcare workers and federal employees and and employees of federal contractors? So the plan applies to basically four different categories of workers. Um, as you mentioned, employees who work for what the president considers large companies, which are companies that have over 100 employees. It also um, will cover any healthcare worker at any healthcare institution that receives either Medicaid or Medicare funding, which is essentially almost all healthcare employees uh, in the United States. It also applies to federal executive branch employees and federal contractors. Um, so federal contractors are, for, for folks who aren't as familiar with it, um, any employer that provides goods or services to the federal government, depending on the nature of those services, they can be deemed a federal contractor. Um, so this will apply to uh, some of their employees as well. So it's not just people who are working for the federal government, but it also can be companies who provide services or have contracts or subcontracts with the federal government. And what we're seeing is the difference in how they're being treated. Again, we'll have more details once these government agencies actually give us more details about how this will work. Um, but what the president has laid out in his plan is that for private employers who have over 100 employees, their employees were, will either have to become vaccinated or they will have to test for COVID at least once a week before they can report to work. Um, those employers will have to presumably give those employees who have either religious 
or uh, dis disability related requests for exemption, they'll still have to consider those. Um, but those are the two options for those private employees. Uh, as opposed to that, the public employees, the federal employees, federal contractors, they do not have an option to test out. They're going to have to be vaccinated. Again, of course, subject to those exemptions that may have to be given. And the same with the with the healthcare employees. Um, there, there is going to be a limit there, at least from what we can tell right now, that they will have to be vaccinated. Uh, how How is this going to be practically implemented like who you know what what part of the government is going to do what and and what are employers specifically expected to do to comply with the mandate with regard to the private employees of employers with over 100 employees those rules will come from OSHA, which many of you are familiar with. It's a, it's a division of the Department of Labor called the Occupational Health and Safety Organization. And they're expected to issue what, what they call an emergency temporary standard or ETS. The reason why OSHA will do the uh, primary heavy lifting for private employers is because OSHA has regulatory authority to govern the safety of private workplaces. So for the private sector employees, we'll see OSHA will come out with this emergency temporary standard and they will give us details of how employers have to comply. But what we're seeing is different regulatory agencies will address the other categories of employees. Uh, so for healthcare, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services will issue those rules or that guideline because they determine all of the rules that impact any organizations that receive funding through Medicare or Medicaid. And then we saw the president actually issued executive orders with regard to federal contractors and federal employees. But we will see with regard to federal contractors, there is a task force that will issue orders um, regarding how though that part of the plan will be implemented. Well, it, it sounds like there's going to be a fair amount of cooks in the kitchen in terms of detailing exactly how employers need to respond what are some of the outs what are some of the major outstanding questions that that aren't clear at this point and what does that mean for employers in terms of how they're considering uh, how to respond to this so there are a lot of outstanding questions right now, again, because the president announced the plan, but others will actually be giving us the rules of the road as to how we comply with the plan. And so there's many, many open questions at this point. Some of the most obvious are with regard to the private employers with over 100 employees. Um, what if an employee just had COVID? Will they be exempted from this? Um, what if the employee says that, you know, they have um, an objection to getting uh, a vaccine, but they're willing to work from home? It, will the employer have to allow them or consider that um, for them as a reasonable accommodation? Um, what is the impact of the fact that they may have been working from home for the last two years and performing successfully? Will that undermine the employer's ability to be able to say work from home is not a reasonable accommodation? Um, what about employees who are saying, I cannot get a vaccination because of a medical accommodation, but I also cannot wear a mask and I can't submit to weekly testing? What is the employer's response to that? So there are a lot of questions as to how this will work. The other major question, I think, for smaller employers, maybe you know less than 200, is will they have an ability to use financial duress as a way of saying that employees 
cannot test out and will have to actually receive the vaccine. So we're not quite sure yet whether employees, em, employers, excuse me, will be able to um, say that they're not going to offer that option or whether that will be a mandatory option that all private sector employees will be able to leverage. It's interesting in your answer just now, you were you were talking about reasonable accommodations. And of course, that brings to mind you know, ADA uh, accommodations under the ADA. Uh, how does this relate to the ADA? Um, and and is it, you know, is it expected that this is going to be accommodations to this are going to be part of ADA accommodations or is this different? This will be very much, uh, we will see a lot of requests for ADA accommodations here. The ADA will apply to those requests, and, and even the president in his plan has said that with regard to federal employees, the government will, of course, evaluate any reasonable requests for medical accommodations under the ADA and uh, you know, treat those as they would any other type of accommodation. So these will be medical accommodations that employers will have to evaluate. They'll have to understand um, what that process looks like, how to engage in the interactive process, and how to evaluate whether uh, there is an accommodation that can allow the employee to do their job without creating an undue hardship um, on the company or without creating a direct threat to the employee or others. So very familiar territory um, for us, at least in the ADA space, because these will be ADA accommodations. What's a little bit different here than most employers are used to dealing with is there will also be religious accommodation requests. Uh, so employees can request an accommodation or an exemption to get vaccinated if they feel they have a sincerely held religious belief that prevents them from getting the vaccination. So employers will have to engage in the interactive process like they would with any other request for an exemption from an employer policy based on a sincerely held religious objection. But employers can expect many, many, many more requests for either religious or um, disability-related accommodations coming out of this mandate. And are there any standards about how, you know, how employers should be evaluating um, those those requests, especially when it comes to things like religious exemptions? Um, are there any standards laid out about um, what those mean and, and how those should be treated? There are standards laid out. So the EEOC is the organization that governs Title VII, um, which provides that employers have to give uh, religious exemptions for employees when a workplace policy conflicts with the employee's religious beliefs. And the employer has to go ahead and evaluate whether there is a reasonable accommodation that allows the employee to you know, perform the essential functions of their job. So there are EEOC guidelines already on religious um, accommodations, as well as very specific guidelines on COVID-related religious exemptions that the EEOC has published fairly recently. So there is some, some good resource out there for employers. If they haven't had a lot of experience with religious accommodation, they can certainly go and, and take advantage of those opportunities to look at what the EEOC has already provided. That's great. Um, how about paid leave? Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've heard mentioned that that there's, um, you know, some additional mention of paid leave in this mandate uh, that doesn't seem to be getting as much attention. Um, how does the vaccine mandate relate to the various paid leave requirements and, and paid leave accommodations? 
Paid leave is another place where we don't have a lot of details yet, but we do know as part of the plan, employers will be required to provide their employees with paid leave to receive the vaccinations, as well as if there are any complications or um, any issues, medical issues that result from the employee becoming vaccinated. So they will have to provide paid leave for both of those um, eventualities. We don't know exactly if there's a cap on that. We don't know what that will look like. But as many of our listeners know, many states have also um, already enacted paid leave mandates for vaccination. And so you know, we expect we'll see some similar rules when we hear from the government on exactly how this will work. Great. And to ask an obvious question, um, do we expect this to be litigated? And and if so, what do we think the impact of that, that litigation is going to be, uh, especially on a state-by-state basis? We do certainly expect litigation on this issue. And in fact, We have many public figures, particularly governmental figures, that have already said that they will challenge this and because they do believe that it it is unconstitutional for a variety of reasons that they have explained. So there will definitely be litigation. We don't know, of course, no one can predict what the outcome of that litigation will be, um, but we do expect some challenges. One thing we do know, though, is that employers will need to get ready uh, to react to this because even if the uh, the president's plan falls for one reason or another, um, we still do have many states and even some municipalities that have already enacted vaccine mandates and others that may do so in response to any legal challenges to the federal mandate. So I think some that's here to stay, at least in some form or fashion, we don't really know how broad that will be um, yet until we see how that plays out. But there is at least quite a bit of activity on vaccine mandates across the country. Interesting. So then turning an eye toward what employers need to be thinking about in terms of solutions and and how to react and what they need to put in place, uh, what are the what are the considerations that they should really be thinking about as they do that, as they think about, well, what are the actual solutions that we're going to be out there? Employers really want to make sure that they go to their trusted partners and partners that have a history of helping them comply with regulatory requirements, because this is very complicated and it does intersect many other issues for employers. Uh, And so they really want to make sure they're looking for those trusted partners and they're using reliable resources to help them with this. Uh, These are tricky situations, you know, determining whether someone has a valid uh, disability related request for accommodation or even religious request is a complicated matter and employers want to make sure they get it right. The other thing they want to make sure is whatever solution they're using is know um, understands confidentiality of medical information and things like that that it's trusted it's a trusted vendor there and that they have experience in dealing with these types of issues so that they can really be helpful for them they don't want someone who will just track you know give them an excel spreadsheet if you will um, to just track requests that come in they really want someone to help them navigate through these difficult decisions and someone that that has been in the industry for quite some time interesting well Ellen, thank you so much. This has been very informative. I hope that listeners got some of their questions answered. There certainly are plenty of outstanding topics, and we will definitely uh, keep everybody tuned in and up to date as we learn more and as some of those details get worked out. Um, Thanks so much. And for HR Trends, this is Nate Smith signing off.
Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.